better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Wednesday episode of the show. AFC South Day here today, Kyle. Welcome. This is uh, next to last division for this exercise. I think this is one of the more interesting divisions just because the dynamics of the teams in play. I think there's an interesting story to be told with each one of these four teams that I'm looking forward to telling it today with my dear friends here on DraftKings. Are you looking forward to telling the story of the Houston Texans because they're up first? <sighs> sure. Let's tell the let's tell the story. <laughs> let's see how let's see how positive you guys can be here. Well, we'll start with a recent draft history, which is going to make it really difficult to stay positive because I'm not sure when I look at their drafts dating back to 2018. Outside of Justin Reed, Kyle, what do we have to show? Uh, Laramie Tunsil. They and that's it. For Laramie Tunsil. Well, but. Correct. But that at the end of the day is this team has not been able to, they've been handcuffed for the last two years because they have not had any assets because they gave them all away for a player. Now, I think the waters do get pretty murky here with how much Bill O'Brien had a part of the draft class in, uh, what was it, 2019? Because they made that set of picks, and then there was a big structural change for the franchise, and it became quite apparent even before that that O'Brien was kind of the guy who had his thumb on everything here in Houston. So... I guess the the silver lining is you bring in Nick Casario and you hope what he's able to do uh, with more picks moving forward is promising. I like the the value of Nico Collins in the third round. I thought Brevin Jordan in the fifth round was a, a quality value, and Garrett Wallow I think could be a, a quality depth piece at linebacker. So they, they did some okay stuff this year. But, yeah, I mean, your your best player from the 2020 draft was Ross Blacklock. Uh, or Jonathan Grenard, and neither one of those have been productive players as rookies last year. Uh, the year before that, Titus Howard uh, thought he was a reach. Lonnie Johnson, I thought, was a reach. Omenahue, um, probably your best value pick there. So, And then Justin Reed at, at 68, like you said. And Mar- Martinez Rankin, like, did he even make it a full year in Houston before he was off the team? <laughs> He's, he's with Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken, or he's bounced around a little bit. I know he was yeah. with Kansas City for a little bit, but... So yep. they just so, haven't had anything to show for anything yet. Welcome back to the first round next year. And, um, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where they they definitely have different leadership right now, and so it's hard to peg a lot of this on the current regime. But for a team like Houston to to not really have much to show for their draft history and all the free agents that they signed this year to, to fill out this roster. They got a lot of work to do in terms of finding good young talent to work with. So for life cycle status, rebuilding, what makes you go with rebuilding over team in transition? Just curious because they, I mean, dude, like 70% of the roster is new players this year. And I understand you could say, Oh, okay, well, that means they're a team in transition, but Deshaun Watson's not going to play football for this team anymore, period. You've got a first-year head coach. 70% of your roster is new. You have a new head coach. You have a new general manager. 
to me, it's a total rebuild. You're starting from literally the ground up. So, yeah, I, I have them as rebuilding. I just wanted to, for discussion oh, you. that. You just want to kind of got to stir it a little bit, Kyle. So for future needs, they need everything. But I think it might be more fun to look at this from the perspective of what do you see on this roster that is a building block that you identify as, yeah, we can work with this and and factor it into where we think this team's going to be in four or five years. In four or five years? Tunsil? Yeah, I mean, you've already locked him in to pay him, right? So it's going to get only get easier to pay him from here because you you lock that contract in and that market's going to go up. Uh, Justin Reed, you need to hold on to. Yeah, I think he is the redeeming piece of, of your defense right now. Whitney Merciless is more of a two- to three-year window than a five-year window just because he was drafted in 2012. Um. Maybe Zach Cunningham. I was going to say, no, I don't think so. Five years from now, I'd be stunned. One of their better players for now, at least when I look at their roster. Sure. Maybe I, you're maybe hopeful that Sharping and Titus Howard become the players that you envisioned when you made them two of your first three picks in 2019. And Nico Collins, we were both fans of him coming out of Michigan. Yes. So there you go. There, there's, I think, your nucleus pieces to work with right now. Ergo rebuilding team. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest. Both are open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. And be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From football and basketball to boxing, right to horse racing, don't wait and take advantage of all their great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, time for the Indianapolis Colts, and we'll dig into their recent draft halls, which is a conversation I think starts with the 2018 hall. Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, Braden Smith. Smith. Unreal. They just gave Braden Smith the bag, man. We haven't even really talked about that on this podcast. They paid him really, really handsomely. And obviously they paid Darius Leonard a ton of money. And Quentin Nelson is already one of the best three or five offensive linemen in the NFL, not to mention a really nice role player in Naheem Hines as yes. part of this haul. No question. And it's a great, it was a great bounce back from that 2017 draft. Yeah. Was, was, um, was Ballard there for that haul? Man, I think I, he was. I think that was his first draft. Was his first one? Yeah. I mean, I Malik Hooker, it's it's hard to knock him too hard for when it was injuries that really broke him down. I like Terrell Basham as a third or fourth pass rusher on a team. Marlon Max had some production. So even that draft class and Anthony Walker, who's transitioned and is now with Cleveland, like they got some quality picks in that draft class too. But like 
you walk away with your first four picks being Hooker, Quincy Wilson, Basham, and Zach Banner. It hurts a little bit, especially when you used a second-round pick on TJ Green in 2016 and a third-round pick in that same class on Raven Clark. So, fortunately, 2018 and moving forward, I think, is a lot more forgiving. Uh, I think the 2019 class in particular has a lot of players that uh, need to step up if, if Indianapolis is going to keep pace with the Titans in this division, looking at Rocky Sin, Ben Banigou, Paris Campbell, Bobby Okariki, like that, that's your first four picks. Those guys have all shown plenty of flashes, but you need them to all be healthy, Paris Campbell, and you need them to all be significant contributors in year three. And if not, then I think they're going to fall off the pace a little bit. Can I go to bat a little bit for the 17 draft? And I feel weird doing this because I, there's nothing to say for Hooker, Wilson, and Basham. But Zach yeah, Banner in the fourth, he, he's a starting right tackle right now in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Grover Stewart is literally a starting defensive tackle right now for the Indianapolis Colts. Marlon Mack, if he didn't get injured, Jonathan Taylor might not be on this football team. So those, I mean, for for those four, those three fourth round picks were pretty good. Now, obviously, you like to hit on one of those first three, but Zach Banner has started, never played a snap for Indianapolis and has started two games in his NFL career. Let me start my right tackle for the Steelers. I'm on board with everything you said other than Zach Banner. I didn't say any lies. He's the starting right tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> so, let's go. <laughs> All right. So where do we see this team in terms of life cycle? This is a hard one. They're, win now? Yeah, I have them win now. I don't think they have some of the same pressures. Obviously, they just re-up Ballard, right? Yeah, like they, and Frank, they right? just Yeah, so they don't have the urgency to win now. But I think with Carson Wentz and, and them kind of towing the line between, hey, we want to have our cake and eat it too and find a quarterback but not give up a bunch of premium assets or, or sign a, spend a bunch of money in free agency to get one, I think there's – pressure on some of the players to be win now versus the regime from a, a front office and head coaching perspective. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, they can be a young contender. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously coach Reich has done really well, um, especially kind of coming out of 2018 where you thought you had Andrew Luck in place, right? You go to the playoffs, you win a playoff game year one, and then all of a sudden your quarterback situation blows up in your face right like before in the, the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's sort of like uh, good news is Carson Wentz is reportedly practicing this week and those types of things. But it was like, man, like right before the season again, it's like another blow up when the quarterback thing for, for Indianapolis. So um, I want to see Carson Wentz show that he could play again before I start to say that Indianapolis is a young contender, sure. but they can certainly get there. I think that's fair. Future needs for Indianapolis. Uh, this is what I have. And, and, and defensively, corner is something that stands out to me. But I have a lot of offensive needs for Indy, where mm -hmm. I just don't know that they have true difference makers in the passing game in terms of weapons. You know, Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell. Campbell's been hurt. Hilton's aging. And Pittman, I think, is a nice piece. But I don't think he's the a, a volume guy where he's going to be really like a number one receiver for you. I think they need a difference maker in the passing game, a wide receiver. And I'd still invest in that tight end spot where I think that they don't have Kylan Granson's a decent developmental type player, but 
I would want more at tight end, and we know that Frank Reich likes to get tight ends involved. And then I look at this offensive line, which is really, really good, but I think left tackle, obviously with Eric Fisher on a one-year deal and him coming off of a significant injury, and then Mark Lewinsky at guard, one of your starter, he's he's in a franchise or he's in a contract year. And it kind of gets to that point where you have to ask yourself, how much money can we spend for this offensive line where we know we have to play, pay Nelson, we're paying Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly's expensive player. You know, you mm-hmm. have to ask yourself that question about Glowinski. Is he the guy that you let walk? And if you do, you need to find his replacement. So I think this offense needs a little bit of attention here in the coming offseason. Yeah, I think that's perfectly fair. Um, you mentioned corner with Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey and Rocky Sin and uh, Kenny Moore in the slot is probably the guy who's in the best shape mm-hmm. out of that group. Uh, you like like their safety room with some of the versatility that they have with Kari Willis and Julian Blackman. Uh, would not rule out another pass rusher as well. They no. obviously just drafted yeah. Quiddy Pay, but Taekwon Lewis hasn't really developed as you would have hoped for a second-round pick. And same with Kamoko Ture, who has dealt with some injuries, and Ben Banagu, who we mentioned a little earlier. And uh, they just made the pick in, what was it, the second or third round with the uh, – the guy from Indianapolis, Dale. Yeah, um, Yingbo. So we'll, we'll see if he's able to bounce back, but I don't think they're going to have any a lot more answers this upcoming offseason because he has an Achilles injury. Yeah. So I agree wholeheartedly with the passing game issues uh, and then some premier positions, specifically at corner and potentially at pass rusher uh, for them on the defensive side of the ball. Jacksonville Jaguars. When we look at this recent draft history for Jacksonville, I wrote down that they found some building blocks, but they need to find more difference makers. And surely they hope they found that this year in Travis Etienne and and, and Trevor Lawrence, a couple of first round picks. So, I mean, looking at this thing collectively, you you like some of this young talent and Josh Allen, Caleb on chase on who obviously needs to, be more impactful than he was in a rookie, but you know, it sounds like CJ Henderson is a top 10 pick is probably not even going to start for them in year two. And there were some rumors that he was on the trading block. Uh, Jawan Taylor in the second round is a nice pick. They, they, they've made some good picks here, but they've got to start finding more and more difference makers in the draft. I'll tell you what hurts the most is you, you even go back to the middle of the 2010s Allen Robinson didn't retain him. Dante Fowler didn't really turn it on until he left Jacksonville. Right. But didn't retain him. Jalen Ramsey didn't retain him. Yannick Ngakwe couldn't figure things out. That's You hate to be a farm system for other NFL teams. And for a long time, that's what Jacksonville was with some of their best players because the organizational stability and direction wasn't at a place that made it very friendly for them to be competitive and and maintain, obviously with the one year in which they made the appearance in the AFC championship game aside. Uh, And the wheels fell off of that really quickly. So, yeah. yeah. So I guess that's kind of the, the observation that I have is you've had some hits, you've drafted some good players, keep those good players, keep them in house, and add more to it, and hopefully that buildup over time will get you back to a competitive state. 
I think this is a crazy statistic that I'm about to say. The Jacksonville Jaguars have picked in the top 10 of the NFL draft every year from 2008 to 2021 with the exception of 2018. Wow. They picked in the top 10, Kyle. Every single year. Well, hold on. In 2012, fifth. 2013, second. 2014, third. 2015, third. 2016, fifth. 2017, fourth. Then 29th. Ah, we got busted here the last couple of years. Seventh and ninth. There's a long stretch of top fives consecutively in there too. Yeah, well, and going back, like you started at 10, I think, 2010. 2009, they picked eight. 2008, they picked eight. 2007, they picked 21st. That's an unreal amount of top 10 picks, man. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So anything else here on on the recent draft history for the Jaguars? Mm, no, I think we've sufficiently outlined the root of the problem. And now it's where are they at from here and how do we fix it? Life cycle status, I have them as rebuilding. Yes, I think that's a fair statement to make. You just just acquired a quarterback with the number one overall pick. Uh, you have a rookie head coach, obviously not an inexperienced head coach, but a rookie head coach at the NFL level nonetheless. I think those two qualifiers, along with being the number one pick and and having so much of a blank slate to work with, qualifies them for that designation. All right. So as we now turn our attention to future needs, what's that? Uh, what's shining to you when it comes to that? Well, you have Cam Robinson on the franchise tag at left tackle. Uh, Walker Little has apparently look good in camp. So I think that does help to mitigate that a little bit, but I do think this offensive line uh, is not above some potential reproach and upgrades. And that's going to be the biggest thing for me is not a specific position, but continuing to surround Trevor Lawrence with everything he needs to have as stable of a situation as possible. So whether that's more at wide receiver where you have Chark, you brought in Marvin Jones in free agency, LaVisca Chenault, promising multi-tool player, but not, not a player that's shown a lot of durability over the last couple of years between Colorado and his rookie season. Let's get more there. Let's continue to beef up the, the tight end position. I know Urban Meyer's offense at Ohio State didn't use tight ends a whole bunch, but uh, we don't have anybody to catch the football at tight end here now. Nope. We just don't. We like we don't. So I want to invest in offense. I want to make sure the offensive line has a bunch of studs on it. I want to get some help uh, at the wide receiver and tight end position, and then defensively, continuing to address uh, the defensive line and adding more safety help specifically. I think they're okay at corner when you consider they just drafted Tyson Campbell in the second round. They have Shaq Griffin. Uh, they do have uh, C.J. Henderson still on the roster at this point. But uh, the the safety room for them is an area that is a bit of a sore spot. Yeah, I agree with you on your needs. I know you mentioned defensive line. I would say specifically on the interior mm-hmm. is where I'd like to see some investments. But um, yeah, I think defensively they have a, a – like from a talent perspective, I feel a little bit better about what they have. Um, and so offensively – Keep building around Trevor Lawrence. Get him receivers. Get him offensive line help. Get him a tight end. 
And uh, if he reaches his ceiling, then you're not going to be picking in the top 10 every year moving forward. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. They have coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, salted caramel, strawberry. They have orange as well. So many great flavors. And maybe you don't know where to start. You can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Try them all and figure out which ones are your favorites. And not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bar on the planet, they're healthy too. Check out these macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180. There's only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs. We got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Kyle, the Tennessee Titans are the last team up today. Mm-hmm. The class of the division in my mind. Mm-hmm. When you look at their recent draft halls, what do you see? Uh, 2020 hurts. Yeah. A lot. Isaiah Wilson, obviously not with a team right now. After one year, he was traded for a seventh round pick uh, with the Dolphins in the offseason. That... That one hurt a lot. Um, but I look at the 2019 draft, and you get Simmons, A.J. Brown, and Nate Davis with your first three picks. And Hooker's going to start at safety for them this year. Yeah, That's a you crazy gotta, good hole. You've got to be thrilled with that. And thank goodness, because that 2020 class, like Tennessee has kind of emptied the chamber, right? Like they pushed all their chips in, and they said, here we are. We're going to make a play. The depth of the roster really took a dip last year. So to draft that amount of difference makers in one class, especially when the year before that, 2018, you only had four total picks. One of them was Luke Falk. So <laughs> like, you needed to, to make sure that you didn't get bit from a law of averages perspective and, and out drafting the norms to get Simmons, Brown, Davis, and Hooker with those four picks has kind of given them a little bit of grace. We'll see what Christian Fulton does this year. Obviously, they drafted Caleb Farley in the first round of this year to, to add more to that corner room. Um, I just don't know how big of an opportunity Darrington Evans, who they drafted in the third round of that 2020 class, is going to have uh, when you consider how good uh, Derrick Henry is as a ball carrier. And I don't know if you noticed this, Joe, but they had – I'm getting back into the early 2010s here, but they had a curse with second round picks that has since been discarded with Harold Landry and AJ Brown in back-to-back years. But they had a stretch of Justin Hunter, mm. Bishop Sankey, RB1 Bishop Sankey that year, Doriel Green Beckham. Oh boy. Kevin Dodd. 33 overall, Kevin Dodd, right? And then no second round pick in 2017. So that was like five years of second round picks. That was just (laughs) like whiff, whiff, whiff. Wow. So I didn't never realize that. So thanks for pointing that out. AJ Brown, big and and Harold Landry, big way to buck the trend. Yeah. That's a hell of a way to buck it. So yeah, I think you you did a good job summarizing it. Um, Plenty of, plenty of hits. 2020 is something we have to bounce back from. And um, get coming away with Simmons and Brown, then that's that's a turning point, right? Like yeah. where you get foundational pieces offensively and defensively. 
I really that mean that's that's outstanding, especially because both were kind of perceived as risky picks. Mm-hmm. AJ Brown only sure. a slot. Jeffrey Simmons torn ACL. Okay, it's worked out for him. Yeah, bet. Life cycle status for the Titans. Win now. Yeah, I have win now as well. What keeps you away from putting them in the young contender bucket? I just think they. <laughs> They're kind of one of those teams that, for me, like I said, they emptied. I, they felt like they emptied the chamber with kind of pushing their chips in and saying, our window is here right now. And I feel like I still have some concerns with the depth of the roster mm-hmm. that makes it feel like, hey, we think we can win it in the short term, but if it doesn't work out, what does that do to the quality of the roster two years from now? I don't just don't know how you rebound to have enough depth to maintain it year over year if you're not fortunate and avoid injuries all year long. Especially with their defense and how it regressed so much last year. And they've certainly tried to shake things up defensively. You know, Shane Bowen is now their permanent defensive coordinator. They brought in Danico Autry. They brought in Bud Dupree. They brought in Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Um they got rid of some players. So they've definitely done some things here for this defense, but I got to see it come together and, and see what it looks like. Cause I'm not sure, you know, on paper that I'm convinced it's going to be better. So that's going to be a critical thing to watch with this Tennessee team. And it's a very top heavy roster to begin with. We, I felt that way last year. I remember looking through it. We were doing a bunch of work on these rosters and I think I called you up and, and I said, Kyle, I think this Tennessee Titans team just lacks depth everywhere. And I'm not sure that I feel any differently right now than I did last year when we had that conversation. So good football team. I think they'll win the division. I think they'll be in the playoffs. I think they will be a tough out. But there's some questions to be answered here. For sure. As for future needs, this is what I have down. Tight end. Right tackle. Yeah, well, you know, mine aren't in order, but I'd say right tackle is a big <laughs> one, especially because Dylan Radunes has been playing guard for them. Yep. And so we'll see what happens at right tackle. Ben Jones, their starting center, he's a free agent after the year. So a couple spots in the offensive line. We'll see what happens with Anthony Ferkser as they're, you know, they're receiving tight end this year. He's in a contract year. So, you know, if he performs well, they have to pay him. If he doesn't perform well, they need a tight end. Uh, I still think wide receiver is something they can add some depth. Josh Reynolds on a one year deal. They're going to want players in addition to Brown and Jones. On the defense, I well, I wouldn't be satisfied at interior defensive line. I would want to to find more there. Uh, linebacker, both uh, Evans and Brown, they are both up for renewal after this season. I don't think they're going to bring them both back. They'll need at least one new starting linebacker. And then at corner, corner. Right? I, yep. I mean, Janoris Jenkins is starting for this team right now. And they're they, Fulton, Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley, um, and – Who's the other young player that they have? They just drafted Elijah out of Washington. That, yeah, Elijah Mould. That could be their starting top three corners. Like that would be a really good group potentially. With player development for sure. But yeah, they, <laughs> they got to go out and, and remove the doubt. And yeah. right now that doubt does still exist. So therefore, uh, I agree. I agree with everything you said, particularly the wide receiver depth, the two spots on the offensive line, more depth in the trenches. And, and I think that's really, we went through their needs. They have multiple needs on the trenches on both sides of the ball. And they have multiple needs on the outside on both sides of the ball. So 
at the end of the day, that's why for me this was classified as a win-now team because they, they very clearly are being aggressive. They think they're one or two pieces away, and we'll see how that materializes for the Titans. Uh, we have one more division to go tomorrow, so make sure you plan yourselves accordingly. We have the live stream tomorrow night. We have the Friday free-for-all on Friday. we got a great end of the week lined up for you guys, so you make sure you come back. It is officially football season. Final week of the preseason is here. College football this weekend. A lot to look forward to. A lot of content to get into. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks as always for checking out the Draft Dudes podcast. We hope to talk to you guys again tomorrow.